What if burnout isn't because we are inherently overworking? What if it's because we are fundamentally underworking? We're distracted, we take longer to do the same amount of work, and therefore it becomes this constant hum of guilt and feeling of obligation that we need to be working. And then the work trickles into places in our days and weeks that it does not belong. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Aligned Performance Podcast, the podcast helping you to express your best in this world to create your most aligned life of purpose and potential. Through authentic and uplifting solo episodes as well as diverse guest conversations, we explore how you can discover and serve your soul's purpose, transform your mind, cultivate high-performing results, successfully change careers and build your dream business. All of this leading you to fulfill your dream life and impact on this world and ultimately achieve freedom and fulfillment. My name is Trang, your host for the show, and today I am talking about overworking and burnout. And I really want to explore this and potentially break the stigma of what overworking is really about. Now, before I get into that, I do want to share with you a beautiful message that I received from a client this week. And this was actually a client who hasn't worked with me for a year and a half, but she did the journey of potential, which is now power your potential a year and a half ago. And she had just recently completed her very first half Ironman. And she messaged me saying, you know what I'm the most proud of, Trang? How I conducted myself throughout this entire journey. And that's all directly because of you. And I was so touched by this because we haven't worked together for a year and a half. And for this client to think of me, to send this message to me and to give me this credit, I was just like, wow, you know, this work is not just about getting quick results. You know, the best testimonial isn't immediately after we work together. It is the one that comes a year and a half two years, three years after we do the work together, because that just shows the true impact that this work really has. So I mentioned this to um, my client and I wanted to acknowledge her because we haven't worked together for a year and a half. You know, this is her doing. So I said, you know, I want to acknowledge that. Sure, I gave you guidance, but that was a year ago when you were the one who continuously has done the work and embodiment. And she just persisted. She was like, no, I can tell you a hundred reasons why it was all you. And I had to stop and take a moment to really receive this thanks and this expression of gratitude for the work that we've done together. And this is why I do what I do. Like I didn't go through a whole career change. I didn't start this business just for any random reason. I did this because I wanted to have an impact. I wanted to leave the world a better place through my existence, through my work and what I was doing day to day. And this is why I run Power Your Potential, which is my small group coaching program for you to give yourself the gift of possibility and ignite your potential. I have run 10 rounds of Power Your Potential since 2020. And there is a reason why each round keeps filling out with women from all over the world who get transformational results. Women who are stuck in their jobs but hesitant to lose everything they'd worked for. Women who are hungry for more but don't believe that they are worthy or capable. Women who have big visions for their business but are doubtful that it could be viable. And then from Power Your Potential, they realise, what's the worst that could really happen? If anyone else has done it before, why can't they replicate it? 
know, what do their idols really have that they can't develop or learn? And then I witness these women step into their power, step into their strengths, raise their standards and leap towards their dreams. You know, women who have moved states, changed careers, started businesses, stepped into a whole new standard with their habits and with self-mastery. It is so inspiring for me to witness because it just shows how much can change in a short amount of time. It just shows how fast things can move when we really dedicate ourselves to something. So I want to share this with you because the final round of Power Your Potential for this year is starting next month. Four weeks, eight live intimate group coaching calls for you to go through the comprehensive journey for you to change at your core, starting with getting clarity on your purpose, then developing mindset fundamentals, stepping into confidence, and then finally understanding high performance execution. This is a foundational and transformational experience. And if you are someone who has been sitting on the fence, if you really get a lot of value from these podcasts, then I encourage you to apply in the link in the podcast show notes. Let's explore and see if this is the right fit for you. Um, No obligations. This just could be the one decision that 2024 you really thanks you for. All right. So now let's actually get into the episode talking about the stigma of overworking and burnout as a result of that. So firstly, when I was planning for this episode, I wanted to understand what is overworking. You know, we often hear people say things like, oh, be careful, you know, don't overwork yourself or "Oh, she's a really hard worker. She's just constantly overworked. What is the definition of overworking? Well, there isn't a technical definition, but in society, the general consensus is that the standard standard working week is 40-hour weeks. So overworking is generally when someone is working more than 40-hour weeks. But where did 40-hour working weeks actually come from? You know, where is the origin of this? It actually dates back to the mid-1700s during the Industrial Revolution, where the introduction of machinery and factories skyrocketed demands for labour because there was now no limit to how much could be produced, just the hours that people were working. So people were working 80 to 100 hour weeks, like that's 10 to 16 hour days for six days a week. And this eventually led to major labour strikes and activism for labour regulations. And... Over the next two decades, not two decades, two centuries from the mid-1700s to the mid-1900s, this started a graduated labour reform to reduce working hours from 10 to 16 hour days, six days a week, to eventually now eight hour days. And this was a slow process because initially it was implemented just for those in uh, the federal sector and it came with wage cuts. But eventually it trickled down into the private sector. And when Henry Ford in the early 1900s discovered that working 48 hour weeks only yielded a small increase in productivity compared to like say 40 hour weeks, he introduced 40 hour work weeks over five days without wage cuts. And this eventually inspired other manufacturing companies to follow suit 
And then eventually this spread across the globe to become a worldwide standard for labor expectations. And this is great because you know, this should be regulated. Otherwise, it'd be so easy to exploit workers and get them to be working 80 to 100 hour weeks. Um, you know, this labor regulation works as a guide uh, and you know, a moral, ethical threshold for what people should be expected to do. So 40-hour work weeks has become the standard and therefore anytime someone works more than 40-hour weeks, you know, they often get paid overtime and it's often perceived as overworking. Now the thing with this, just like anything else in the world, how I see it, and I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts, so do send me a message and let me know, it sits on a spectrum in a, a spectrum of, say, a bell curve, where there is the standard, there is a norm, where most people fit in the middle part of that bell curve, but there's always going to be a spectrum of how people operate, people's preferences, and there's going to be outliers on the extreme ends of this spectrum. Like, we know there is such a huge variety in how people like to operate. Now, even looking at time management systems, you may have heard of the Pomodoro method, which is working for 25 minutes on, resting for five minutes as a productivity optimization technique. But I know plenty of people who would struggle with that because that frequent getting out of the flow state would actually reduce their productivity. Then there are people who love the Pomodoro method. There are people who are morning people and there are people who are nighttime people. There are people who are right versus less left brain dominant. So people who are more linear and structured and analytical in their thinking versus people who are a little bit more uh, creative and visual in their thinking. Uh, even when it comes to diet, like genetically, we know that vegetables are extremely healthy but there's still going to be someone out there who's going to be allergic to tomatoes. <laughs> so there can never be a blanket rule uh, or just one way that everyone should adhere to. So firstly, understanding that the 40-hour work week is in some ways scientifically based and it is something that we've found has worked for a lot of people, but in some ways it's still arbitrary. Right? Because there are going to be people who do just fine with more than, more than 40 hours and there are going to be people who already struggle doing 35-hour work weeks, for example. And here's something else to consider as well when it comes to overworking. What is work? <laughs> like, What is work in the first place? What's considered work versus recreational versus mentally stimulating but not work? You know, is finishing a job and then going home to read a book for four hours, is that still work or is that not work because it's not your job? What about finishing your job then going to an archery class and learning the skill of archery, which is just as mentally and physically demanding in some ways? Like you're still being stimulated mentally, physically, maybe emotionally if it's very frustrating. So what is work in the first place? And I think ultimately what it comes down to is our own personal perception and definition of work. Because some people 
might see that watching TV after a long day of work is relaxing and is a way for them to switch off. But I personally see it as still mentally stimulating. Like, yeah, you go into some sort of trance state and it's passive, but your brain is still in overdrive to take in all of the, the information that's coming in from the screen. So it's quite subjective down to us, what we perceive as work. Like, is doing chores at home work? Like, you know, what is work, right? And here's the other difference as well. Being expected by your employer to work 60-hour weeks, I believe, is different to having your own business and choosing to work for 60-hour weeks or finishing your nine-to-five job, coming home, and then choosing to do extra study or choosing to do extra reading. Like, that is the difference. One is a choice and one isn't. And I'm sharing this because as a business owner who loves my work and derives a lot of meaning, purpose, fulfillment, and even entertainment from my work, I often find myself working for 10, 12, sometimes 14 hour days, five to six days a week. And I have no problems with this because I'm the one choosing to do this. I love it. And then also at the same time, um, I'll do this for three to four weeks at a time and then take one to two weeks very, very easy or off completely. Uh, So that's a whole other topic of like how I harmonize work and and recovery. Um, But I often get comments about, you know, are you working too much? Like, watch out, You, you might get burnt out. And I get this because firstly, I think there is... We're, we're, we're in an era of human evolution where we're swinging away from the hyper-dependence on work as our sense of worth and um, just moving away from being overworked as a collective. So I get that that is the general, uh, the general perspective that people hold. But if we choose to do what we want and it feels good for us, then why not? And if we really think about it, it's it's funny how people will rarely comment on how much we watch TV or how much we eat junk food or how much we are relaxing at home. You know, if we overdo any of those things, people don't comment. But when we work more than five days a week and, and we eat clean and we talk about big dreams, people then get invested and they might say something like, oh, isn't that a bit extreme? Oh, let loose a little bit. Be careful, you you might overdo it. And the thing is, no matter what we do with our 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, we are choosing to direct our energy and our time towards something. So no matter what we're doing, we are directing our focus and our resources towards something, right? It's just that one path might make people feel good about themselves that they're doing the same. And the other path might actually make people feel the opposite. Maybe it makes them feel guilty or shame that they're not doing better. So then in these instances, when people are faced with our robust work ethic and our um, 
dialed in habits, they have two choices. They can be inspired, they can take accountability for themselves to step up their own standards, or the other choice is to bring us down to their level, make them feel better about themselves. And in the moment, which is going to be the easier and more instantaneous result? So being aware that, you know, people's comments, it's not necessarily for our best interests. And it can be, of course it can be, but sometimes it is their ego and their insecurities speaking the loudest. And that is tall poppy syndrome, which is rife in Australia. I'm not sure about other places in the world, Um, but yeah, you know, a poppy that is extra tall, people are inclined to want to just chop it and bring that poppy down to the level of the majority. And this is the unhelpful side of the the swing that we're currently in, uh, in moving towards a healthier work uh, system overall, which is fantastic. We need that. Um, but of course, when it comes to anything Going too extreme to one end or the other is going to be unhelpful. And I believe that this is a little bit unhelpful because what is wrong with having a healthy and robust work ethic and a passionate mission to achieve something and to contribute to the world? So the other aspect to this is burning out because, yeah, there is a real risk to burn out when we are overworking. Remembering that overworking is very arbitrary and and remembering that there isn't one definition to overworking. Um, burnout, this is a thing. And I have done a podcast episode on how to pre- prevent burnout before. I'll link it in the podcast show notes that was back in April. It was a very popular episode. So listen to that one if you want actual uh, strategies to prevent burnout as an entrepreneur. Right now, I'd like to speak on burnout and share a different perspective about it. Firstly, uh, I believe there are various different types of burnout. So there is the physical burnout where we might be overworking and under-recovering physically. So maybe we're working 18-hour days and not getting enough sleep. That's going to lead to physical burnout. Or in the sporting realm where I used to work, you know, if you are training, uh, you're in the gym like six hours a day and you're under eating and you're not getting enough sleep, then you're also going to lead to overtraining syndrome and burnout physically. But there's also mental, emotional and spiritual burnout as well. And how I think of this is even if you're not physically doing anything, you can still get burnt out mentally and emotionally. Like think about the pandemic, how we weren't necessarily working a lot. We were at home, but the intensity and the emotional baggage every day of the news and of the unexpected changes, that was causing people to just feel done, feel burnt out mentally and emotionally. And spiritually as well, that is a thing, you know, spiritually being connected to our deeper values and our deeper purpose. And when people live a lifetime that is out of alignment to their truth, you know, deep down they know that what they are doing isn't 
in integrity with their values and how they want to be as a person, that can lead to burnout as well. And, you know, they might be getting enough sleep and they're eating well and they're exercising and they just wonder why they're so exhausted and apathetic each day when they wake up in the morning. So there are different types of burnout. And right now I'd like to focus on physical burnout and share a perspective that you may not have heard before in that I think that a lot of the time physical burnout from overworking isn't actually from overworking. I think a lot of the time it comes from people fundamentally underworking. When they are at work, when they are doing, uh, when, when they're inputting their energy and trying to produce something, they're actually underworking in that they're distracted, they're flapping around, they're not completely in the flow state or in the zone, they're not really present. So what happens is when they are working, they're constantly in this gray zone. Like they're not completely working optimally and being as productive and progressive as possible, but they're not completely rested either. So then what happens is it takes longer to do the same amount of work. And in a nine to five hour workday, they might not finish all the things that they need to get finished. So then after work, you know, they're still carrying the baggage of, oh my gosh, I still need to do emails. I still need to finish this task. And then the work tasks spread out. They expand to fill the whole day instead of what could have only been six or seven hours. So then the mental and emotional baggage of guilt or the feeling of obligation to be doing work, it trickles into spaces within the day, within the week that It just does not belong. And it becomes this mental, emotional and physical burden. And like some people, like maybe they don't explicitly believe this, but it's more of an implicit perception that it's too extreme to put your phone away, turn it on airplane mode and focus for a few hours, even go through methods like do not disturb, like setting boundaries for their colleagues and for other people to not disturb them. You know, even like I've, I spoke to someone at my co-working space who does this, they don't drink a lot of water before they go into their deep work so that they can sit there for a few hours and not go to the toilet because <laughs> that will disrupt their flow state. So people, and I used to think this too, uh, have this I- internal implicit perception that it's like, too extreme like it's it's too rigid to work like that but then the that what that causes is this working in the gray zone and this expansion of work tasks to take up more energy and more space than it actually could otherwise so what I believe is that the solution to being overworked and the solution to preventing burnout is actually to work harder (laughs) rather than to work less hard. Actually working harder, which I don't mean, you know, hustling around the week, but I mean working more seriously when we are working. (laughs) Working more presently. Working with more presence. (laughs) Working more efficiently and progressively. 
working more intentionally, working to our strengths, managing tasks and our time so that we can batch our tasks better, working with more commitment, working more lovingly, like working in a way that optimizes work when we are doing work. And then we get to finish more in a smaller amount of time and then we can have more time outside of work hours to rest, to live our life, to socialize, to look after our health and everything else. So in other words, what I usually like to say is the solution to burnout and the solution to overworking is to go all in. Go all in on our work. Work hard, work with presence, remove distractions, get in the flow state, go into the deep, um, deep state of working. And then also go all in on our recovery. Go all in on our sleep, go all in on our exercise, go all in on our eating, go all in on our quality of connections with others, go all in on anything else that is going to help us recharge and spark inspiration and creativity for our work when we are back on the clock, you could say. So go all in. It's not one or the other, I believe it is both. But how? Well, firstly, being present without distractions when we are working. I have this app on my laptop laptop called Focus. And you put on this timer, you can set it for 25 minutes if you wanna do the Pomodoro method. Um, I put it on for 90 minutes. I like to go deep for 90 minutes where just the world around me disappears. And during that time, it's just what I'm doing and nothing else. Sometimes I put my phone in another room um, because yeah, if it's there, I'm very inclined to pick it up. And this actually helps with a phenomenon called attention residue as well. And if we are multitasking and we're constantly switching between tasks, then every time we switch, we actually leave a little bit of our attention and our focus on the previous task. And what that means is we switch tasks enough times and we just suddenly have lost our ability to be attentive and focused because we, it, it leaks out every time we switch tasks. Here's another way that you can be more present and you can go all in on your work. Give yourself less time to do the work. There's a quote, if you want something done, give it to the busy person. Meaning people who have less time allocated to do something are generally gonna be more efficient and are going to finish things in a shorter amount of time. This is called Parkinson's law. You know, like a, a, a task will expand to fill the time it has to be completed. I mean, think about it. When you were at uni, if you had six weeks to do an assignment, it'd probably take you six weeks to do that assignment. But if it's due in two days, you bet you will be doing anything in your power to finish in two days, which means the assignment only needed two days. It didn't actually need six weeks. And I've had this as well. Like I had a big project that I was working on that in my head was going to take months and months. I needed to organize so many different moving parts, like organize a venue hire, like videography, um, like editing, production, uh, write the scripts, plan everyone else who was involved. Like it was this big project um, for my um, speaking video trailer, actually. That's what it was, my speaking video trailer. In other words, like a sizzle reel. 
And in my head, it was going to take months and months. But at the time, I knew that I was going to be going to Bali within three weeks. And whilst I was in Bali, this wasn't specifically something that I was going to be able to do in Bali. And the other thing was I had a one-way ticket to Bali. I didn't know when I was going to be back in Melbourne. So this project that in my head needed months and months, like in my head it was like three to four months, I switched the dial and I was like, okay, I need to do this within three weeks. And guess what? I did it in three weeks. <laughs> so give yourself less time. Give yourself closer deadlines to complete things. Here's another one. Focus on progressive work, not just results-based work. So what I mean by this, I'll share with you a quick story. Last year, there was a period of time where for a few months, my business was thriving. I had all of these opportunities coming in, left, right and center. Everything was expanding and growing rapidly. But then a new month turned over and it was just like dead. It was like crickets. Another month went by. And it was still just as quiet. And I was like, what's going on? Like Everything was flourishing just a couple of months ago. Why is it such, such a grind now? Like What changed? And what I realized was for the last few months, I had been focused on getting results immediately. I had this... Um, I had this bonfire. I was burning the bonfire. I was seeing the results. The flames were huge. But I'd forgotten to gather more firewood. And within a few months, the, I'd run out of firewood and the bonfire had sizz, like had died down to the final embers. And this is the difference between progressive work versus results-based work. Results-based work will get immediate results. It's very rewarding, it's, it's very enticing because it, it feels good. But results-based work doesn't set us up for the long term. It doesn't necessarily create more results. It can die out. It can fizzle out. So what I needed to do was I needed to step back from just trying to get results all the time and burning the firewood and seeing the big flames and focus on gathering more firewood, spending time to set up the foundations setting up systems, innovating the business, doing things that weren't going to lead to an immediate result, but was going to lead to delayed gratification. So do progressive work, not just results-based work. If you want to optimize time, if you want to be better with your work systems so that you don't have to be working around the clock forever. And then lastly, what I want to share with you is the power of batching tasks. <laughs> I am the biggest fan of batching tasks. I do all of my emails and messages once or twice a day in one big block. I'll do all of my social media content for the week in one block. Um, I'll do all of my business innovation work in one block and it's just all batched together. And the reason that this is really important, especially for entrepreneurs, is because when we have our entrepreneurial hat on, which is like the hat of innovating and creativity and, and uh, seeing a vision, it is a very different state of being from when we are working in the business as the technician. 
because that is going to be less creative, less um, envisioning, less open, and it's going to be more analytical. It's going to be more logical and doing-based. So batching tasks is really important because when we're in one state or another, we get to just drop into that state. We get to utilize being in that uh, momentum and utilizing that free momentum versus if we just keep switching from one to the other, similar to the attention residue phenomenon, there's going to be uh, just disruptions in our flow every time we switch, which is going to take longer to get back into the work each time we switch, which is going to then spread out the work to take a greater amount of time than it needs. Um, and I actually have a weekly creation method guide that I can share with you for you to optimize planning your weeks so that you can create your weeks with as much intention as possible and continue to adjust the way that you do things week after week to maximize productivity and take your results to the next level. Um, If you're interested in that, I will put it in the podcast show notes. It is completely free. Um, It's a three-step guide, uh, tutorial videos, workbook, everything included of the exact system that I use that I've been using for years now that I rave about. It's completely revolutionized how I use my use my time and how I master myself and my tasks. Um, so yeah, I'll put that in the podcast show notes. Check it out if you are interested. So going all in on our work, trying some of these strategies allows us to maximize our output in a minimal amount of time so that we have more space in our weeks to rest properly and enjoy the rest. You know, we don't have any guilt. We don't have any uh, baggage hanging over our head. We can close our laptop, we can leave the office feeling a sense of just the weight lifted off our shoulders. So that is what I would recommend for you to go all in and to not be overworked all the time, whatever that actually means. But having said that, remembering that even if we are overworking in the eyes of others, it is an arbitrary judgment. And if we are working more than the standard 40-hour weeks because we choose to and we love it and it lights us up and it serves our mission, then why not? Why bend to become a smaller, micro version of ourselves to fit into the standard paradigm of society just to make others feel better when they are threatened that we are doing things that they know they should be doing. So here is your reminder that whenever you are being called delusional, whenever you're called extreme or crazy, just remember it's probably probably because you are on the right path. And this is coming from someone who over the last four weeks, I have been doing six to seven hour, no, Let's start again. Over the last four weeks, I have been doing six to seven days a week, 10 to 13 hours a day, and I have thrived from it. Like I've gotten so much done. I feel so fulfilled. I feel so myself knowing that I am living in alignment to my heart's purpose. And then for the next three weeks, I'm taking it off completely. I'm going traveling. I'm going to climb some more volcanoes. I'm going to 
yeah, like completely rest. And I know that I have the flexibility to do that. I know that um, that is a privilege and I am very grateful that I can do that. Um, but for you, why don't you structure the work and the rest to the varying degrees that suits you and your lifestyle and the constraints and boundaries that you have? All right, fam, that is the end of another episode. Thank you for listening again right to the end. If you are still here, then I thank you for investing your time and your energy. It is a privilege and an honor to be sharing this value with you, to um, have you invest your precious resources to be here with me. I really, really appreciate that. And please let me know what you think of this. If you have any comments, if you have any questions, do message me. And before I wrap up, I want to mention once again that doors for Power Your Potential are now open. It is a revolutionary experience that I pour my heart and soul into. It's something that I truly believe in. That's why I run it. And that's why it's up to its 10th round over the last three years. So once again, if you were someone who is hungry to discover what your potential is, if you want to take your career, your business, your life to the next level, if you want to explore what you were truly made of, then this is for you. Check out the link in the podcast show notes. See if this is something that is right for you and then apply. Once again, no obligations or anything. Let's explore to see if this is something that you could make the decision that will carve out a whole new path in your life going forwards. All right, fam, you have a beautiful rest of your day. Keep expressing your best. Keep spreading your light and impact on this world. And I will catch you in the next episode. Bye.